Hey friends, welcome to the Odd Job Podcast, where we straight talk uncommon gigs. We're your hosts. I'm Jamie. And I'm Abby. And today we get to talk to Jen Glantz, creator, CEO, entrepreneur, just all around great gal for Bridesmaid for Hire is her business. Jen is hired by brides and rooms and basically anyone to become a bridesmaid or even a maid of honor at weddings. It's great talking to Jen. She's been to more weddings than probably anybody, any of us know in the world. world. She kind of gives you an inside view of how the sausage gets made, but also how unique the role is and kind of what services she really provides brides on their big day. It's a great episode. We love talking to her. She's like a triple, quadruple threat, you know, just a joy to chat with. She was really a lot of fun and she gave us so many juicy stories. And what Abby and I found most interesting was how she got her start and kind of how she rose to fame. And essentially she kind of half joking put a Craigslist ad offering her service as a bridesmaid for hire. And it essentially went viral. She was on Good Morning America, among many other interviews that she did. And actually, before we start our interview, we kind of wanted to give you just a little taste of what that Craigslist ad looks like. The post was titled Professional Bridesmaid for Hire. Post. When all my friends started getting engaged, I decided to make new friends. So I did. But then they got engaged also. So for what felt like the hundredth time, I was asked to be a bridesmaid. This year alone, I've been a bridesmaid four times. That's four chiffon dresses, four different bachelorette parties filled with tequila shots and guys in thong underwear twerking way too close to my face. Four different pre-wedding pep talks to the bride about how this is the happiest day of her life and how marriage probably is just like riding a bike, a little shaky at first, but then she'll get the hang of it. So let me be there for you this time if you don't have any other girlfriends except your third cousin twice removed who is often found sticking her tongue down an empty bottle of red wine. Your fiance has an extra groomsman and you're just looking to even things out. You need someone to take control and make sure bridesmaid number four buys her dress on time and doesn't show up three hours late to the day of the wedding or paint her nails lime green. Bridesmaid skills I'm exceptionally good at, holding up 18 layers of your dress that you can pee with ease on your wedding day. Catching the bouquet and then following that moment up with my best Miss America, like, oh my God, I can't believe this speech. Doing the electric and cha-cha slide. Responding in a timely manner to pre-wedding email chains created by other bridesmaids and the maid of honor. So that's just quite the abridged version of the Craigslist post, but needless to say, Jen is very funny and we really had so much fun on this interview. Yeah, it was great chatting with her. And if you want to learn more about Jen, uh, she's actually a really great follow and I would highly recommend it. On Instagram, her handle is at Jen Glantz and that's J-E-N-G-L-A-N-T-Z. And you can also find out more about her, you know, the various books that she's written, her podcast, et cetera, at jenglantz.com. And that's again, J-E-N-G-L-A-N-T-Z. TZ.com. And just uh, as a quick programming note for everybody, this was our first podcast in the pandemic. So the audio is unfortunately not great. So we just want to give you a disclaimer, but we really wanted to go ahead with this episode because our conversation with Jen was just really excellent. And we think it's really worth listening to. And of course, shameless plug for me and Abby, if you do want to hear more about us, more of the interviews, or even if you want to give us suggestions of who we should interview, please come see us at The Odd Job Podcast. Again, you need the The, theoddjobpodcast.com. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram. Our handle on Twitter is at oddjobpodcast, and our handle on Instagram is at oddjobpodcast as well. This is The Odd Job Podcast.
when we were first figuring out the broad topic of our podcast, I had just Googled odd jobs and bridesmaid for hire came up <laughs> as like, <laughs> you have great like, SEO. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, I know. Like everyone loves to feature it on all their like roundups and lists and stuff. I'm like, there's so many weirder jobs. But I get it. I get yeah. it. Yeah. You know, if you're if you're not the one doing it, you do think it is like the weirdest thing. Yeah, I think you're listed under uh, people who are hired to professionally cry at funerals. So <laughs> you're in good company. <laughs> hey, that's my future retirement plan. Right it should there, okay? be it's the should pivot. Be. Waiting for the pivot. <laughs> I guess we'll just kind of get right into it. And Jen, you are seriously such a get. And we're telling our audience now, you were so responsive to us. And when we basically cold called you and it was really great because I know you have your own podcast. Sometimes getting people to interview is probably a tougher task than actually doing the interview itself. So thank you so much for being so responsive. It's we're really excited to talk to you today. Absolutely. Of course. I am excited to be on this show. Thank you for having me. Just so we can kind of tell everyone what exactly Bridesmaid for Hire is, could you give us like a quick overview of the service and maybe just like a high level introduction to what it is that you do? Absolutely. So Bridesmaid for Hire, simply put, is exactly what it sounds. Strangers literally hire me to show up at their wedding, pretend to know them from the fourth grade, put on the bridesmaid dress, walk down the aisle, give the maid of honor speech, and when the wedding ends, never see them again. (laughs) I have been doing this job for almost over five years, and I've worked hundreds of weddings. And simply put, I am the personal assistant, the on-call therapist, the social director, and oftentimes the peacekeeper for brides at these weddings. Can you talk to us a little bit about sort of the origin story of this and kind of how you came to find yourself in this position and what that looked like for you? What prompted you to recognize this need? I think it's definitely a need (laughs) for a lot of people. So Sure. Yeah. I was in my early 20s and all of my friends, I'm from Florida. So a lot of my friends in Florida, they graduated college, they got married. And very soon I was always the bridesmaid, which was fine at first, but then it became a lot. It was super expensive. It was a tough job. I wasn't very good as a bridesmaid for them, but I had done it again and again and again. And after a couple of years of literally being always the bridesmaid, I started having distant friends ask me to be their bridesmaid. And there was one night where two people I hadn't spoken to in about two years reached out out of the blue and asked me to be their bridesmaid. Like one of the people, she lived down the street from me and I hadn't seen her in forever. And she was like, will you be my bridesmaid? I'm like, what? And I came home. I told my roommate, I was like, Carrie, like what is going on? And she's like, duh, you're a professional at this. A light bulb like went off in my head and I thought, okay, I've done this so many times, like over a dozen times for my friends. People are now asking me who I haven't spoken to in forever. Could I just do this for strangers and I was a poetry major in college I didn't have business experience but I always knew I wanted to start a business so I went to the number one place my mom said never go Craigslist.com, <laughs> and I, I wrote like an anonymous post that was 
something that like, oh, I'll be your bridesmaid. I'll, I'll help you put down the aisle. I'll help you pee in your wedding dress because that's super hard. I'll dance with your weird cousins. <laughs> and long story short, the ad went viral. And within a couple of days, I built my own website. I created my own packages. And I booked my first wedding in Maple Grove, Minnesota within just a couple of days of the ad going viral. Oh, Awesome. I'm from Minnesota, so I'm excited that that was like your initial, your initial one. What did that feel like to go into that first wedding? It sort of seems as though this was a situation where it took off so fast. And how, how did you prepare yourself? Because you're really yeah. going incognito to these, or at least most of these weddings. Yeah, so the first wedding, I was a little weirded out. I mean, I got on the airplane and I thought to myself, like, oh my gosh, you're about to get off the plane and be in this stranger's life. And it was the first time I was doing this, but the person had an amazing backstory as to why she needed help. Her maid of honor dropped out last minute, and Ashley, the bride, just had a lot of chaos in her life, and she needed a person to just be there for her. So I got off the plane, and I thought, oh, my God, like, this is terrifying. Can I do this? And after the wedding ended, I got back on the plane and thought, oh, my God, not only can I do this, but there is such a need for this, and I am going to do everything I possibly can to make people see that and to have it take off. And a lot of what we did before her wedding, and we still do now, with my clients is I truly get to know them. We spend many times on the phone figuring out who we who each other are, really just becoming friends and helping that person through all of their wedding chaos, but also life chaos. Because one thing no one yeah. tells you is when you get married, all of your life chaos bleeds into the wedding. So <laughs> that's a lot of what I do is sit there and listen and relate and understand. And, you know, that's something that has carried through in the past five years. What is it like to jump into someone's life yeah. at like maybe one of their most stressful and most emotional days and then leave? How do you kind of compartmentalize that portion? You know, it's such an interesting thing because before I started this job, and I'm very honest, even now, I never liked weddings. I mm -hmm. still don't. I'm engaged. I'm getting married, and I'm miserable about the wedding thing. Yeah. But, <laughs> we'll, we'll talk more about uh, we'll that, get to that. <laughs> <laughs> But, like, the thing is, I, I love people, and I love helping women, especially in challenging situations. And a lot of times, it's not because they don't have any friends. It's because there's something happening in their life. Maybe they don't have that close support system, or they have this drama where they don't want to tell their friends or they're marrying a person for reasons other than love which I know sounds weird but yeah. that also happens. happens and they just yeah. yeah and they just need someone and I think that that's pretty much really my favorite part of the process is really before the wedding because at the wedding it is anything but glamorous when yeah. I started this job and up until now I, I've had 50,000 people apply to work for me and in a lot of the wow. applications they're like we love to party we love to dance and I'm like <laughs> oh no you know you don't do that you leave Red flag. so many of these yeah, you leave these weddings depleted and exhausted and emotionally drained and you see things that you wish you never saw and it's, you know, it's, it's very, sometimes very dramatic and traumatic. It's weird because sometimes you leave the wedding and you think, okay, like this is over, the job is over and I'll probably never talk to that person again. But there have been times where I've left the wedding and I really did like the person and we have yeah. seen with us. So it is a weird job in a sense that, yeah, at first people are hiring you for the job of being a friend, but sometimes it does turn into a real friendship. I've been in a number of weddings myself as a bridesmaid. And one thing I'm sort of interested to hear your thoughts on is this idea of 
a lack of personal attachment and sort of how that plays into it and sort of makes you more effective in this role. I, I feel as though anytime I've been in a wedding, except Jamie's, of course, because you're supposed to <laughs> the chillest of chill. But, you know, oftentimes when you're in weddings, there's a lot of personal baggage or like history or different things that people are trying to smooth over. Okay, that is such a good question. And it definitely is coming from someone I can tell who has been a bridesmaid. Always <laughs> <laughs> like a bridesmaid. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, just like what you were saying, the lack of personal attachment makes the job a lot harder, I think, but also a lot easier for the bride because they have someone they can be honest with. You know, oftentimes a lot of what I have to do is work with the other bridesmaids and get them in line and make them stop complaining and stop stressing the bride out and say things that the bride wished she could say, but oftentimes she has to see those people once the wedding ends. So that's a lot of what I do is I walk into fires and I put them out because the bride, one, doesn't want to deal with the dirty work, and two, it's awkward. And And when I was a bridesmaid for my friends back in the day, and even now, there's so much resentment that happens. I mean, there's people who honestly, after the wedding ended, you've never spoken again. And that's something that's like an ugly truth. There's stress and pressure and things you have to do. And honestly, it should be a job because Mm -hmm. your friends they don't really always know what to do. And also they're there to celebrate you, not figure out why the groom is missing and, you know, not (laughs) help you like piece back your bracelet because it's broken a million pieces. Like that's not really what a friend is always there to do. So you're, you're right in the sense that having that stranger there allows the bride to feel more comfortable, be more honest, sometimes even be a little bit more bossy, which is okay. Say and do things that perhaps they wouldn't feel comfortable doing with a friend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. And Jen, since we're kind of still working off your first wedding that you went to as a hired bridesmaid, and this is really was a new business for you, and maybe you kind of stumbled into this business accidentally, and now you're a pro, what were maybe some of the mistakes that you made early on that maybe you'd, you wouldn't make now? Oh my goodness, I have made every <laughs> mistake in the book. I am a mistake repeater, and I'm honest about it, but you know, I think trying to do everything myself. And mm-hmm. I think that that's just a part of my personality is that I just like to do everything myself. And sometimes you really have to ask for help. A lot of the help I needed early on was mo- mostly a business advice on how to scale the business and how to incorporate other people than just myself, but also just like legal and accounting advice. And mm-hmm. I tried to do too much yeah. myself and I, I got into trouble and not like literally trouble, but just mm-hmm. I think it became overwhelmed. overwhelming about nine months in where I just felt so completely burnt out. I was working full time. I was doing this on the side and I just was exhausted. I had actually lost a lot of my real friends because I spent pretty much every weekend at someone else's wedding. Yeah. When are you going to see people in your life? I had to turn down my own friend's wedding for a job. And about nine months in, I Googled business help. And I actually found a really cool thing in New York City. And a lot of big cities have it called SCORE, which is free business mentoring. And I ended up connecting with a business mentor there who really changed my life and my perspective and, and really taught me that I need to take a step back and not only not fear failure, but also ask for help. Those are mistakes that I made early on that I wish I didn't, but I didn't know better. And I still make a lot of those same mistakes now. Well, it sounds too almost as though this was a Craigslist ad, you know, somebody said you're a pro at this and you kind of dove in without recognizing necessarily how quickly it would take off. Yeah. And not only that, but I had always known I wanted to do more with my life. I always knew I wanted to do more. And when I got this idea, I just remembered being at all these weddings and how nobody in like a $72 billion wedding industry, there is nobody whose job it is 
to be there for the bride. Like that's not what the wedding planner is hired for. They're hired to make sure the wedding is planned and all the vendors are there and they have a tough job, but there was nobody whose job it was to handle the bride, handle the people part of the wedding. And that's where my business came into play. And I just remember thinking like, how could there not be a position like this out there? You know, not everybody has close friends. I think 30% of people do not have a close friend. I fully understand that myself. Nobody talks about that on reality, but there was a huge gap in the industry. And while it did spark with my roommate saying, you're a professional, I think I had just filed away all of these facts that I had picked up at these weddings that made me just think, okay, this just seems right. It seems like there is a need for this. Are you only hired by the bride or are there grooms who hire you? Are there other family members that hire you? Like what kind of responses did you get even to that initial Craigslist ad? Oh my God. The Craigslist ad was, was hilarious because I got like hundreds and hundreds of responses. And some of them were like, I'm not getting married, but I want to marry you. Like, oh God. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> That's why your mom's like, stay on Craigslist. Craigslist. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't tell her about those, but yeah, yeah, you know, like you get like the weirdos, but then I got a lot of people who were like, here's my situation. And then I got a lot of mother of the brides who were like, I desperately will hire you for my, my daughter. And even now a lot of mother of the brides will reach out or oftentimes you know, I have a whole service for maid of honors who reach out mm-hmm. as well. So those are pretty much the most common people is yeah. the person getting married, whether it's the bride, uh, a bride or a groom or whatever, and then the mother or even just a friend reaching out on behalf. As weddings get crazier and crazier, and they are, you know, They're getting, social media. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's just like every year they get more intense. And I think as they do and people feel that pressure, then they really need that person to rely on. Like, who are they going to talk to about all of these crazy constant wedding things? Their friends might not want to hear it, or their friends have moved on with their life, or their friends are just busy, or they just have other things going on. That is really why there is such a need for this service, because you do a lot. And a lot of your wedding vendors, they only do that one thing. They don't really have the time or the capacity to give you full service advice. Like a wedding planner really is really helping you with the plans, not Mm -hmm. with the fact that, you know, the mother of the groom is sabotaging your wedding or your sister refuses Mm -hmm. to go or you're having second thoughts about marrying the person you're marrying. Like there's nobody there to really help you with that. And that is why I think there is such a need for this kind of position. Mm -hmm. You are definitely almost a therapist to some of these brides. Have you ever been in a situation where the wedding didn't happen or you knew that once they walked down the aisle, it'd be agreement that they weren't actually going to go through the wedding or they were going to have a divorce or like, I'm sure you've seen kind of the fallout of a wedding, even on the day of the wedding, not happening. So can you tell us about that? Oh yeah, for sure. And that happens a lot. Like cold feet is a real thing. And you know, I think the psychology behind that is, you're so enamored by a person and the idea of a person and the idea of planning a wedding and then it all is about to happen and you think to yourself what is going what is going on like you almost mm-hmm. wake up before the wedding and that happens quite often but I think a memorable time was I worked a wedding in Staten Island many a couple of years ago mm-hmm. and about three minutes before the wedding was supposed to start the bride grabs me by the arm pulls me in a room shuts the door and tells me that she does not love the groom anymore and she doesn't oh want God. to marry him oh, and 
everyone is sitting down. The person marrying them is, is waiting to start this. In the moment, I had to think fast. My job is never to tell you what to do. I don't right. really know what's going on with you and the person. I can't <laughs> right. tell you yes or no. <laughs> but my job is to make you feel like you, you can make the best decision on your own. So what I did was I said, okay, we, we can leave right now. Like I will call us an Uber. We'll get pizza. It's okay. We can leave. I'm giving you the out. But before you take the out, I think you should talk to the groom for 10 minutes. So I locked them in a room for 10 put a timer on for 10 minutes. They spoke, they came to the conclusion that this wasn't the right thing to do, but they were going to go through with the wedding and then just not tell anybody that they made this decision to end it. So, you wow. know, that was a situation where, look, they pretended and they, they went through with it and obviously it didn't work out, but that happened. You know, I'll never forget. I um, had a coworker many years ago and she told me her first wedding, she remembers walking down the aisle thinking, shit, this is going to suck to have to do again. And I oh always remember her telling Ugh. me that because that is such a truth. There's a lot of people who have that similar feeling and it's real. It's just so taboo that people are weirded out by talking about it, but it, it is real. Hearing you talk about that, that's such a unique experience, but also such a high pressure and emotional experience, especially involving somebody that you don't necessarily know all that well. What do you think has made you very good at this? Yeah, you know, I I always say to myself, you can't plan out your career and your life, but when I look back at everything I've I've done in my life, it all pieces together. I have never had one career path. I've had a series of very random jobs, but they all piece together to get me here now. My very first job out of college, I mentioned I was a poetry major. I mm -hmm. could not find a job. My first job out of college was actually working for a national sorority, and the job was to be a traveling consultant for them. So every single week I was sent to a new college to wow. work with a group of sorority women who were at risk for different things like hazing or drinking or like had a, a lot of issues and my job was sort of to walk into this messy situation as somebody they were not happy to see because I was working for the national office and counsel them and work with them and help them and fix this and get them to tell me things like through that I really found myself understanding people in challenging situations learning mm -hmm. how to talk to people how to get them to open up to you how to get how to disarm them when they're angry at you and I think that that was one of the jobs that set me up for this I think I've also always been the kind of person who really likes to try to understand people and help mm -hmm. people I've always I've always loved doing that throughout my life I've experienced tons of different personal challenges and and, and really tough times that I think has made me look at a person and, and hear whatever they are going through and not judge them, where I think a lot of people feel judged by their friends. I, I have a lot of people who've always told me, I feel like I can tell you anything and you listen and you get it and you don't judge me. And I think that that's just a blanket statement for my personality and what makes me really good in these challenging situations is A, I don't panic. B, I've always worked well under pressure. I only work well under pressure. So I think that that really has <laughs> prepared great. me for this. And I've also just always really loved working with women in challenging situations. So everything sort of just came together to make this right for yeah. me. Were you in a sorority in college? I was. I was so anti-sorority in my freshman year. Uh -huh. I, I rushed as a joke, and then I became the president of the sorority. <laughs> and then I worked. You know, MVP. So like, MVP. Yeah. Yep, yep. <laughs> yeah, that happened. <laughs> Abby Abby and I were both 
athletes in college. So while we weren't in formal sororities, you could kind of just say that those were sororities in itself, just working with a group of women. Yeah. 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 Yeah, We get it. We get it. And it's not always like a sisterly bond. So we totally get it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) They're very similar. I feel that. Yep. I would love to kind of hear a bit about some of your horror stories. We want to know the juice. Yeah, the juice. Give us like the really bad stories. Oh, I mean, you know, there's always a new one, but I've had to be a bodyguard for brides who were scared that their old exes were going to crush the wedding. I've had, um, I've had, I had a wedding once. I don't know why this is coming to mind, but 50 people who were not invited to the wedding showed up at the wedding. Like the mom just secretly invited all these people and 50 people showed up that weren't invited. So that was something I've had fights fight breakout where the police had to be called and I tried to separate the fight. Oh my god. I once had to take off my bra and give it to the mother of the bride. Um, I had to, <laughs> oh, this is a great one. This is a good one. I worked a wedding, like outdoors in like this field with wild animals sort of roaming. It was weird. But right oh before god. the bride walks down the aisle, I noticed there's animal poop all up and down the aisle. And I'm thinking, oh, oh my god. god, if she walks down, her dress will be ruined. Yeah. So I like picked it up with my bare hands and moved it to the side and that was fun um, you are dedicated <laughs> oh my you're god yeah. like you're a I've true had, professional i suppress these memories and then when i'm asked they, they really come out but <laughs> we're sorry <laughs> we're sorry <laughs> we're sorry for having your bridesmaid ptsd we're totally triggering you right now <laughs> i had a bride who right after the ceremony when no one could find her i found her she was downing an entire bottle of vodka she was about halfway through the, the bottle oh god and she got blackout drunk she's on the floor screaming this this is the worst day of my life. I hate the guy, like whatever. Um, and I remember this was like maybe wedding four. And I was, I, I left that wedding hysterically crying because I, yeah. I was under the notion that weddings were great, you know? Yeah. Um, and that was really traumatic. I'll never forget that. How did people really react to her sobbing and crying? Or was this, sorry, was this off? not on the dance floor like how are no, people reacting was, to this <laughs> so it was in the bridal suite it was, it was in the bridal suite and i remember there was like her her close family like maybe her mom and her dad and then like her five bridesmaids and then me and then the guy oh and everyone was in a circle around her like keeping their like 10 feet of distance cold stone shocked and i'm on the floor with her like dealing with this and everyone is just around like you would have thought there were statues in the room that's yeah. how like awkward it was and i remember i was just floor and trying to deal with her and talk to her and, and all of that but I remember that was a really a weird one and I just remember leaving and I remember on the ride home just crying and I think the hardest part of this job honestly is that there's no one to talk to about it because mm-hmm. no one will ever understand you know like you tell a friend like you're never going to believe what happened but it doesn't do it justice you know and they don't know the people in- yeah. yeah no so it's like they're like okay cool the bride got drunk and I'm like no you don't get it but um <laughs> I have had people work for my company and I've hired a couple of friends who have worked weddings with me over the years that has been the greatest part is, is just re- recounting these stories because they're the only ones who will ever believe it is true you know right, right. anyone else you tell they're like that can't be true but I have backup now so that's fun whenever you're walking in especially like a crew of bridesmaids who may have all been friends since they were kids and then you just show up on the scene and then they're like who the f is this how do you handle that because there are some there are some people that can't be like not everyone's welcoming most of the time they're not happy I'm there because a lot of them don't know don't know I'm hired the bride doesn't even Mm -hmm. tell the person she's married that I'm hired often so most of 
the time I walk in and one, they're like mad at me because I haven't been, I haven't been involved in a lot of things because again, like I'm just tired for the wedding. Yeah. You know, some of the times I I pull out my tricks of how to try to get them to like me, you Mm -hmm. know, whether that's marking conversation or going out of my way to help them with something. Mm -hmm. The cool thing about going to hundreds of weddings is you can almost anticipate what's going to happen. So I like to try to use that psychic power to be like, oh, you know, this person's hair is going to get messed up and I have bobby heads, (laughs) you know, so like, or look like they just don't like you they don't want anything to do with you but you have a job to do and after the job ends you never have to see them again you kind of have to get over that I'm used to walking into rooms where people don't like me or don't want me there you have to sort of just try to disarm them help them and usually there's one or two people who are allies you always find a way to get through it what was the weirdest backstory that you were given that you had to play along with I had one woman who was maybe 45, and this was I, this was a couple of years ago. So I was probably like 26, maybe 27. And oh, she was yeah. 45, and she oh. wanted me to be a friend of hers from grad school, like many years ago. And I was like, okay, so like this <laughs> is like, the be- math doesn't add up. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, this is gonna make me look like I'm a teenage genius, and I am not. So I don't really know about this. But we sort of just went with that story, and that I just remember being really nervous because I was like, I, I don't know, this is really questionable, but. I did have a wedding where I was pretending to be her friend from high school and we pulled it off except for the fact that her mom had opened the yearbook and realized I wasn't in the yearbook and didn't tell the daughter this. The whole whole wedding was just nasty to me. And then after the wedding ended, the daughter was like, oh yeah, and my mom also like knew the whole time because she couldn't find you in the yearbook. Oh my God. What about when you are the maid of honor? Do you find that to be easier since you're kind of leading the charge? of the bridesmaids or do you find that to be more difficult because then more people are like wait this is supposed to be your very best friend sometimes i i like it you know sometimes i'll be the maid of honor but then i'll also bring along other people who i've hired to work the wedding with me so that's fun yeah but then sometimes i'm the maid of honor and she has other real friends as bridesmaids and that's also interesting and fun so it really always depends i don't think there's one that's easier than the other i think it always depends on the person okay Um, Mm -hmm. right off the bat you can sort of tell how you're going to get along with the person or what you really need to do to help the person you've been to so many weddings and you're planning your wedding through in a very interesting way and we would love to hear about that yeah so it was um, really funny after i got engaged in july I spent a couple hours being thrilled about it, and then I was having panic attacks. A lot of that was that I've been to so many weddings, I've seen so much, and I never Mm -hmm. had an ideal dream wedding. Like, I was never that person who cared about my own wedding, Mm -hmm. so here I was, what the heck do I want? And then one day I just said, I'm not doing this. I secretly put up a website called Finally the Bride, where I put up like 40 questions where people can vote on every single one of my wedding decisions, from where to get married, to what to wear, to should we even elope or have a real wedding Mm -hmm. and I built the whole site I sat my fiance down I showed him the website and he was just like what the heck and then eventually (laughs) he was like okay fine it's been really cool to see what people vote for and I'm gonna follow what they vote for because at this point I don't really care like I don't have a dream vision and I think it's actually kind of genius because you can walk into your day and be kind of so out of the decision-making process that you can just enjoy it. You know what I mean? It's just like, this is what's happening. This is what it is. I'm doing it. I'm walking into this day and it's just a fun party for me to be a part of. That's exactly all I want. Yeah. Yeah. That's literally all I want. I want that and pizza. Yeah. Love that. I did uh, sign up for your crowdsourcing. Um, I have not voted on anything yet though, but because I wanted to talk to you first. 
But um, I found it very interesting because you have uh, your, you can vote on your bachelorette. Yep. Everything. Let's start with the bachelorette. I really want to do a solo bachelorette party. Mostly Love that. Like, I don't really, I don't yeah. have a lot of friends. And I, I want to go myself. And I really want Vegas, but Montana is winning. So um, I'm hoping that Vegas pulls through. Um, those are like what people are torn between is Montana and Vegas. All right, Abby, we got to vote then. We got to vote. For we'll Vegas. vote. But also I'll say, <laughs> I will say Montana's beautiful yeah. so if you haven't been um it might be better than you expect it's not vegas I know. obviously yeah but what would like, you do in montana alone would you go to like a dude think, ranch i put it up there because i've always wanted to go to montana it's at, like my dream destination but i don't want to go for a bachelor party because i'm just like what Sorry. am i going to do in vegas i know i could join other people's bachelor parties and like you know get into a lot of trouble with that we'll, that we'll vote like, vegas so we'll vote vegas okay, for it. We'll vote have you gone to bachelorette parties for the people that have hired you? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, the thing with the job that I think a lot of people don't realize is this is a real job. It's a profession. So I'm sober on the job, just like mm-hmm. most people are, hopefully, or sometimes at their job, you know? So oh, um, awful to be these, sober at a bachelorette. Jeez. Right. So I go to these completely <laughs> sober, which, which means you really see, like, the truth behind a lot of this stuff. Yeah, and the, the underbelly. Do you find that it's helpful to actually go to the bachelorette before you go to the wedding because you sort of get a sense of the personalities, the underlying tensions if there are any or you know yeah it's interesting because like the bride will describe it to a certain point and you're like okay i get it but then sometimes at the bachelor party or the bridal shower you're like oh i see the other side and now i see like all the dynamics not always the easiest but it is helpful to sort of see that before the wedding and maybe like get someone to be on your side one person to like you kind of thing an ally do you have any horror stories from the bachelorette like was the bride texting another guy did she meet someone were there bridesmaids acting a fool which I mean that's gonna happen at every bachelorette but do you have any stories that maybe the most recent one was a casino hotel in Connecticut I'm like blanking on the name and oh the bride, uh, Mohegan Sun Foxwoods yes the okay. Mohegan Sun I'm from yes. Connecticut <laughs> yes which by the way is like a really cool place however I'm scarred from going back because <laughs> We were having a great time. We were hanging out. And all of a sudden, no one could find the bride. She's completely gone, not answering her cell phone. We're looking oh everywhere. God. She's nowhere to be found. Eventually, we decided to check. The last place we thought she would be would be, like, the room. And there she is in the room, like, completely blackout drunk, ordering thousands of dollars of room service on the phone and just basically screaming how, again, she's miserable, doesn't want to marry this guy and all this stuff. And then the next morning wakes up, forgets that that ever happened. So um, that was interesting, I'd say. I feel like there's always one person who cries at a bachelorette. Right, and there's always one the bride, person. which is weird. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I've been to bachelorettes where, it, well, it was, I've never been to a bachelorette where it's the bride who cried, but it's always someone who cries. This didn't happen at my bachelorette, by the way. But yeah, I was me, trying yeah, to was like, I was like, who cried? You're talking about. Totally separated myself. Everyone was just, everyone was a delight. You spent two years sort of moving around month to month. I feel as though there is connective tissue between your ability to go into these weddings and into these people's lives on this big special day and also this ability of yours to adapt and move 
move to a city every month or a new place every month? Oh, for sure. And I think, you know, the more I learn about myself, the more I think that I have this, not only this desire to be uncomfortable, I have this desire to not feel stuck. And I think that's sort of why I like being these different people. And I like, you know, always moving around. And after dating my now fiance and boyfriend for about a year and a half, and we were going to move in together and I panicked, we came up with the idea that we would sell everything we own. We sold 90% of our belongings. And for the next two years, almost every month we lived in a new city. It was incredible. I mean, it was a really cool experience. I, I liked that sense of breaking out of my comfort zone. It was incredibly uncomfortable because you never know where you're living and what it's like and you don't know the city and you don't know anybody there and we didn't have a car during this whole time so you're you're kind of just like figuring every place out but I think who I am is the kind of person who likes to be always uncomfortable I don't like comfort I can't relax I'm always trying to make sure I'm squeezing the most out of life like you would the last piece of um, toothpaste in a bottle like that's just the metaphor for who I I am I think Yeah, I like that. You're definitely comfortable being uncomfortable, I think is like a good way of putting a bow on that. But I also think it's really interesting. Well, one, you, you're, you were living in New York City, or are you still living in New York City? After this ended, we did end up signing a lease, which was like a weird thing. Yeah, I'm sure. (laughs) We've been back in Brooklyn for the last year. Yeah, Abby lives in Brooklyn. I live in Manhattan. And I think that it is so revealing. And the fact that you got to experience it. So you would live for a month or try to live for a month in other major cities. Is that kind of what you did? Yeah, and then sometimes like we got to LA and we both had lived there in the past and we were like, this is great. So we stayed no. for a little <laughs> bit longer. Got it, got it. And we went yeah. back again. Yeah. So um, sometimes we did we did a little bit longer, sometimes a little bit shorter. But we honestly, we both are not the kind of people who are like very strategic or planned. So there were some months where we had like a week left and we were like, oh my God, where do we go? And we sort of planned last minute. The very first place we went to was Portland, Oregon. Neither of us knew a thing about Portland, Oregon. We had never been there. We had never desired to go there. But for some reason, we just chose it. I think it was because we heard it was decently walkable. Mm -hmm. And we both were like semi-intrigued by it. So we ended up there. And we fell madly in love. It is such a cool city. We loved it. Like I, we were like, should we live here forever? We want to go back. We made friends. So, you know, that was how we kicked everything off. And it was cool because look, like, I don't know when I would ever get to Portland, Oregon. I, I just, yeah. I don't know when I would be able to. So that was like a really cool way to start off the trip. And it was almost just fate because neither of us knew why we just decided Portland. We, we just did it. And it was a really cool way to start the whole thing. Also awesome to start off this experiment with a city that you liked and enjoyed yeah. versus like who yeah. who knows if you had ended up in some place where it wasn't a thrill necessarily and yeah. it sort of threw the whole thing off because it's pretty awesome and amazing that you've had the ability to live in so many different places and have enjoyed it and had that experience that I think is incredibly, incredibly unique. You know, it was cool. I mean, there were some places we went to where we didn't really love it or we just had a weird experience or maybe just the time of year didn't align with living in that kind of place or it just the place we rented for the month was disgusting and horrible and all these crazy things. <laughs> yeah. you know? It was always just a gamble. And I always remember like arriving at the place op- and like waiting to open the door, taking a deep breath. What are we about to experience? <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) But I think like one of the things I learned is 
you know, you can make anywhere a home and anywhere you live long enough, it becomes the new norm. And there's always something cool to explore. I lived in Manhattan for, I think, like seven years before this. And I walked the same blocks. Every weekend was the same. I didn't venture out. I, I felt at some point that I wasn't getting the most out of living in New York anymore because I was so comfortable. And I just you get a radius. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I just felt like this cannot be my life right now. And luckily I was a partner who is so up for all of this. It was also a great test for our relationship because, Mm -hmm. you know, we've been together four years. We're now getting married eventually. And I think the cool thing is we've been through so much in four years that we've really tested this relationship in many different ways. I mean, a lot of couples maybe only move a couple times in their life, which is great and huge and amazing. We literally had to pack everything up and move constantly. Like we've just been through so much. And I think I needed that because I had seen so many weird weddings and marriages. Yeah. I needed the reassurance that the person that I was going to be with could go through all of these crazy things in life. Some of those stress tests we did by establishing them ourselves, like traveling and some of them just happened through life occurrences. But I think it was important to me that we didn't rush into moving in and getting married and sort of delay that a little bit through this experiment. You're totally on brand, Jen. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, in I the love best it. possible way. <laughs> yeah, it's I excellent. promise you, I don't mean to. I no, you're yourself. No, not like that. You're, you are unapologetically yourself. I think that's great. And I think that to me, you have a lot of things going on in your life and a lot of different business ventures. Some would say you're kind of like a serial entrepreneur. You have books that you've written, you have your podcast, which we haven't even touched upon yet. You have this business, you have a blog, you have a lot of things that you're juggling. And I think what makes them all work is that you are just yourself and you're very authentic. I guess my next question to you is what is your best advice as far as throwing yourself into a new business venture or like throwing yourself into something new and different? Start now. Don't ever wait because you will never be ready enough, smart enough, the best enough. You just have to start now and don't tell anybody. Like everyone in this world is talking out of everything. If you feel like something yeah. is right, if you strongly believe in it, then you better start it. Because even when you start it, the world will still tell you you're crazy. Till this day, when I tell people what I do, they laugh in my face. And I have to stand there and believe with every ounce of myself that what I am doing is the right thing. And I do. So I think a lot of it is just being so in touch with you feel it's right and starting now and not waiting. You know, I would have been devastated if I didn't do this business and I woke up and I saw enough shark tank and someone else did it, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. If you have a crazy idea, believe that it isn't crazy and it is normal. And, you know, the other thing is you really can't give up. It's going to be tough. There's going to be moments where you question what the heck you're doing. If you start a business, you're going to lose a lot. And you can be prepared for that. I lost a lot of friends. I lost years of my life where I didn't have fun. I didn't go out on weekends and party. And I didn't live that normal life. And that was the sacrifice that I was up for making. And I agreed to make. I think be honest and real about that. And I think the other cool thing is, you know, we live in a time, especially right now, where there's so many free resources online. Like, I didn't have a business degree. I never, you know, went to get an MBA. An MBA. I learned all of this through making mistakes and through research. And, you know, I think that there is really no excuse to start right now. I love that. And I mean, Abby and I are in this process ourselves is trying to launch something that's new and different. And granted, a podcast isn't going to be a new form for anyone who's listening, or maybe even 
most of the people who are listening, but at least this idea and this genre and doing something that's out of our comfort zone. So it's really nice to hear that. And I almost want to take that little snippet and have it, have it for when I wake up in the morning to start. Yeah. Your little alarm. (laughs) alarm We have a few more questions um, and then we'll, we'll, I guess we'll wrap up. Uh, My main final question um, is at this point, can you tell who is truly happy on their wedding day? I like to say no, because Mm. I don't think anyone can really judge what two people have going for them. I think the biggest lesson I I learned is that love is always different between two people. It is never the same. It never looks the same. It never repeats itself the same. And I think that we all define it differently. So I think it is very hard um, to ever predict that. And you, you just, you really just never know what two people have and if that's right for them. A little bit related to that. We've had a pretty candid conversation with you thus far. We've listened to your podcast. We've read your book and you're a very open person. And I think you're really honest about what you see as your strengths and your weaknesses and sort of challenges that you've been through. Is there anything that you think people don't understand or might get wrong about you? Yeah, I I always fear that, you know, people hear my story, they hear all these crazy things I've done, and they think, wow, like she has such an easy life. But the truth is, I have experienced some really, really, really tough times that I don't share with the public. I don't post on Instagram, I don't talk about on my podcast. And I think the thing that people don't realize is that I have to struggle with a lot of things. That's not to say that my life is harder than anyone else, but I do think that everything that people might hear about my story and think it's so easy and, um, you know, it, it always, it, it really hasn't always been that way. I've always had to sort of find a way to keep going on when my personal world has sort of been shattering. Um, and I think, look, you know, when you compare and contrast your life to anyone, everyone's life looks better than yours. So I really do ask that when people look at my story or they hear my story, they don't think it's been just rainbows and butterflies. It's mm-hmm. been really, really hard um, and, and challenging. And I try to be as open and honest about that. But it, it always makes me feel really upset when people will hear my story and be like, oh my gosh, you live the most glamorous life. And I just want to be like, if you spent every single day with me and knew the truth, you would not say that. So, <laughs> right. And I think once, like you would say about any anybody, any celebrity, any person that you look up to, like you only know a chunk of their story. And I think the other thing is I struggle with the same thing a lot of people do, which is fear of failure and making mistakes and rejection and and doubt. And and sometimes that's almost paralyzing to the point where you can't get out of bed sometimes. I do think that, um, you know, part an underlying part of how great my business looks and how great it is to travel for two years on the road, like there are some really tough things also. So you never fully know the people who you are looking up to. So just make sure that um, you are grateful for what you have and what you've experienced and use their experience to help catapult you. And yeah, that's, that's really what I would say. I love that. And I think we have one last question and we try to ask everyone this question. It's a very simple question, but I do think that not everyone has been asked this when you're looking at your career and it could be particular to Bridesmaid for Hire or anything else you've done. What are you most proud of? Ooh. I think that I am the most proud of the fact that I never had anyone agree with me, but I did it my way anyway. I have always listened to what I wanted to do, even when people told me I couldn't or I wasn't good enough. It started many years ago, very young in my career. I worked for a magazine. I wanted to be a writer. And my boss sat me down and laughed in my face and said, you will never be a writer. And I since went on to start a blog, get published everywhere, have two best-selling books. 
I think what, what I have done and I am the most proud of is when the world tried to stop me, I didn't prove them right. I proved myself right. And I Love think that. that that is what keeps me going constantly. And as an Aries, like if you try to tell an Aries that they can't, they, they will. <laughs> they'll, yeah, they'll do it. They'll do it. They'll make it happen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you are and a beautiful that is, writer. Yeah. That Craigslist ad You are a beautiful. Yeah. Very so, well written. Jen, we read the Craigslist <laughs> ad before, um, before you came great. on. I didn't want to read it in front of you because I didn't you know when people read things that I've written I get embarrassed so I, <laughs> read it I write for a little so we were like, yeah yeah <laughs> so I think that's beautifully said and I think that's very inspiring and something that I think everyone can relate to thank you so much Jen this was amazing and seriously thank you for taking time out of your schedule to chat with us and I'm sure our our very eager future listeners will be so jazzed about this episode yeah so and we'll you. get you to vegas we'll get you well to we vegas. will get yeah. you to vegas yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> thank you jen thanks jen you're having me thank you have a thanks. good one this is the odd job podcast